Now, last week, those of us who were here, saw God's promises to Abram. God said he would give Abram many descendants, and they would be a great nation. They would be God's people. God would give them the land of Canaan as their inheritance, a place to live, where they would come under his blessing. God's place. And God would bless them. And he would make them a blessing to to all the nations of the earth. We saw that God fulfilled that at one level in Israel's history. Israel did become a great nation. They lived in the land of Canaan and, and they lived under God's blessing until they lost it all because of sin. But the ultimate fulfillment of those promises was in the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who trust in Jesus, like Abram, we are God's people. God's place for us now is in Christ, and ultimately he is bringing us to the new creation. We have already been given every spiritual blessing in Christ, and in the new creation we will experience it fully. And so those who trust in God, like Abraham, have been given the same promises as Abram, only bigger and better. That doesn't make too much sense to you? Download last week's sermon from the website. The word of God came to Abram as a command and a promise. Abram believed God's promise, and so he obeyed the command. And the command was to leave the place he was staying, travel all the way across the Middle East, and go into the promised land. Our passage last week finished with Abram in the promised land. He was there, but it wasn't his. And we saw it a little bit like us. Remember, spiritually, we're in heaven, our promised land, but the new creation is not ours yet. Still looking forward to it in the now and not yet. So there, is, there he is in the land, because of God's command, because he has faith, because he believes, he's obedient. But in the land, things don't go smoothly. There's a setback. Look at verse 10 of Genesis 12. Now there was a famine in the land. How would you respond if that happened to you? God, that's not fair. You sent me to the land and there's a famine there. You're supposed to bless me, aren't you? I get it wrong? Can I really trust your promises? Friends, sometimes we Christians think that if we're walking in God's will, if we're doing what is right, then things are meant to go smoothly. In fact, sometimes we think that we can gauge if we're doing the right thing or not by whether we see good results. If everything's going well, then obviously we're doing fine. And we're doing what God wants us to do. And if things are not going well, we think maybe God's saying that we're not. But it's not as simple as that, is it? God called Abram to the land, and in the land there was famine. And Abram was in the middle of it. What did Abram do when the famine struck? Did he trust God in the darkness? Would he rely on God's promises, depend on him to sustain him in the land that he had sent him to? Well, Abram's response was how not to deal with the setback. Look at the second half of verse 10. 
So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there. Abram left the promised land. Can you believe it? God called Abram to leave the earth of the Chaldeans, to go right across the Middle East, to go in the land. He got up and down the land as if to claim it. He built altars. He worshipped God there. God promised him the land. And when famine came, Abram went to Egypt. Where the river Nile irrigated the crops and it was safe. There was a more prosperous place, uh, place to be in times of famine. Are you ever tempted to forget God's promises when hard times come? When things are okay, you can be Christian. You come to church and go along to the song group and do the Christian thing. But then when things get tough, when being a Christian is costly, when there are setbacks, when it looks like you're in danger, then you live as if you're in the world. understand that. We know there's pressure. It doesn't make it right, does it? Abram was under lots of pressure. He, he was really in a difficult situation. Look what it says at the end of verse 11. It says, for the famine was severe in the land. It wasn't just an economic recession. That's bad enough. In Malaysia, in a recession, you can still get roti. But there, there was a real shortage of food. A severe famine. People didn't have anything to eat. We can understand what Abram did. But it wasn't right. Abram failed to trust the promises of God. And so Abram went down to Egypt. But friends, with sin, one thing always leads to another, doesn't it? Whenever we start living as if we were not part of God's people, we get caught up into more and more other things. We stop trusting God's promises and and turn to our own devices. We make mistakes, big ones. Sin leads one thing to another and it so easily entangles. You see, when Abram is just arriving in Egypt, he realizes he's got another problem. He's run away from the famine in Canaan, but there'll be other dangers in Egypt. And he comes up with a plan. Verse 11. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarah, his wife, I know you are a woman beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. Abram thought that if Sarai was his sister, they'd they'd treat him well, you see. Men would want to marry her, so they'd be good to him. He could fend them off. He could say, no, 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 ding dong, ding dong. Not actually agree to the bride price, and she'll still be with him. But if she was his wife, and they wanted to marry her, what would they do? They'd get rid of him, wouldn't they? He'd be killed, and she'd be taken. So he comes up with his plan. Well, Abram was partially right. Verse 14 says that when Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw the woman was very beautiful, that they did find her attractive. But then came a development that Abram had not anticipated. You see, 
If you're smart and cunning, you can fend off potential Egyptian suitors. Which is probably what Abram intended to do. But there is one person in Egypt who always gets what he wants. There is one person in Egypt you cannot fend off. And Sarai caught the attention of that person. Verse 15. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. What a disaster! What would happen now? Sarai is now with Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Who can fight him? Abram had blown it. His scheme has backfired and now he's lost his wife. Sarai was in danger of becoming one of the, the many wives of the Pharaoh of Egypt. Brothers and sisters, be sure that sin will find you out. Don't make great plans to sin and hope you, you won't be found out because eventually, whether it's now, whether it's the end, it will backfire. You regret it. Madoff found that, didn't he? If you have any schemes to sin going around the back of your head, just get rid of them now. If you're involved in any activity that you know isn't right, you know that does not spring from faith in God, but you know that God would not be pleased with, then you must get rid of it. Please, be sure your sin will find you out. Abram's situation was a disaster. Not only was it a personal tragedy, but his stupidity had put God's promises in jeopardy. God promised him the land, and now he's outside the land. God promised him a great nation, but now the mother-to-be of that great nation is caught in Pharaoh's harem. What would happen to the promises now? Has Abram blown it so badly that God's word will not come to pass? Will human sin once again spoil God's wonderful plans and purposes as in the garden? It's a question we're meant to ask as we, as we get to this point in the story. Now if we know God, we know that that's not going to happen, is it? God will accomplish His purposes. What we do realize, though, is Abram's not the perfect man. And he's not the serpent crusher. This is actually the last point in your outline. We'll just go, go to the last point in the outline and then we'll, we'll come back to this, you see. Remember back in Genesis 4, Genesis 3, actually, God promised that one day someone will be born of a woman who would crush the serpent's head. And from Genesis 4 onwards, we've been waiting and waiting for that, for that someone to come. And when we got to Genesis 12, we might have thought that, that Abram was the one. Because he was the one who was given all these promises that looked like all the blessing was going to reverse the curse of, of Genesis 3, the curse of the fall, when people rebelled against God. And, but now we see that Abram himself is the sinner. The sinner can't reverse the fall. Sinner can't conquer sin. 
sinner can't defeat the serpent and bring blessing to the world instead of curse. And so, for the promises to be really fulfilled, we still need to keep waiting and waiting. And it's only in the Lord Jesus, the son of Abraham, that the real serpent crusher came. He inherited the promises of Abraham and he really did defeat sin and Satan by by living that perfect life and dying for our sins and rising again. Only he could do that. So even Abram, arguably the greatest hero of the Old Testament, couldn't do it because he was flawed. Even Abram had a sinful nature that showed itself up in a lack of trust and obedience. Only Jesus is without sin. So... We're reminded of our need for him. Abraham failed. Meanwhile, back in Egypt, Pharaoh has no idea that he's got another man's wife. Still less does he realize that she is the one that God intended to be the mother of the nation that would come from the promises of Abraham. He still thinks that she's Abram's sister. And he's giving lots and lots of gifts to Abram as he prepares to take her for his wife. Verse 16 says, And for her sake he dealt well with Abram, and he had sheep and oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys and camels. Abram can't refuse. The guy who's giving it to him is Pharaoh. So he's getting all this dowry, getting himself more and more entangled, getting deeper and deeper into it. Getting harder and harder to back out. He can't, can he? You're getting more and more worried. What's going to happen to God's promises? Is that the end? Friends, even when human beings are unfaithful, God keeps his word. God fulfills his promises. Even when we sin. Even when we stuff up, God is still in control. And God, in his mercy, rescued Abram from his predicament. Look at verse 17. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. We're not told what the plagues were, but they were severe and they were from the Lord. It's interesting, isn't it? Abram stuffed up. And Pharaoh's household got hit with plagues. Abram was supposed to be a blessing to the nations, but his actions have made him a curse. Pharaoh eventually comes to realize that he and his household are suffering because of Sarai. We don't know how, maybe it's through his own magicians. And he is furious. Verse 18. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? What have you done? That's what God said to the woman back in Genesis 3 after she'd eaten the forbidden fruit. He said, what have you done? That's what God said to Cain in Genesis 4 when he killed his brother. What have you done? And now Pharaoh says to Abraham, what have you done? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? What were you thinking, Abraham? Even a foreign ruler knows better than you. Even this man who hasn't received the promises of God, who is far, far away from him, even this man knows better than you. And he's shocked by your behavior. 
Ever had that happen to you? Non-Christians turn out to be more moral than you? They try and do the right thing and you're doing the wrong thing? A disgrace for a child of God. It happens. It happened here. Pharaoh was right. Abram was wrong. And Abram had nothing to say in response to Pharaoh's calling. He doesn't answer the question, doesn't make a defense. There's, there's just no excuse for his behavior. And Pharaoh says to Abram, Now then, here's your wife. Take her and go. The Hebrew commentaries tell us that it's very abrupt. It's just four words. Here, wife, take, go. Abram, the Pharaoh doesn't want to have anything more to do with Abram and Sarah. He's had enough. Sees the results of messing around with God's promises. He doesn't like it. At verse 20, Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. Abram's expelled from Egypt in disgrace. Abram had done wrong. He disgraced himself. Brought curse instead of blessing. And yet, as you look at that passage, you've got to think how kind God was to be merciful to Abram. How kind God was to have solved this problem for Abram when he could not have solved it himself. How gracious God is to his people of promise. And friends, we know what it's like to be in that situation, don't we? We too are people of promise. Those who trust in Jesus, we have the promises of God. Promises of forgiveness. Promises of eternal life. Promises of a place in the new heaven and new earth. And we trust in God's promises. We really do. We've left all to follow Him. We've renounced the world, the flesh, the devil. We've accepted Jesus as our Lord. But sometimes we act as if we don't really trust Him. We act like Abram here, taking things in our own hands. Even though we are God's people, we sin. And what we deserve is God's judgment. What we deserve is to be left in Egypt or sent back to Ur. But just like God was gracious to Abram, after he had received the promises and still stuffed up, God is still gracious to us, even after we receive the promises and still stuff up. Abram never deserved the promises in the first place. Neither did we. Even after he got the promises, he didn't deserve them. Neither do we. Yet God is gracious and merciful to us anyway. God gave His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. Not just for the sins we committed before we were converted. Not just for the sins we committed before we were saved. But even for the sins we committed after we received the promises. For even after we are saved, we still sin. And even after we are saved, we still need God to be gracious and merciful to us. 
Even now, if it wasn't for His mercy, we would have no hope. We depend on God's grace. His kindness to us that we don't deserve. Not just to become a Christian, but every day of our lives. And all we can do is thank God for His graciousness to us. That in spite of our weakness, He fulfills His promises. Now that doesn't mean he doesn't discipline us. He does. He will. It doesn't mean we can be slack and take this as a license to sin. God won't allow that. Oh no. Abram learned his lesson the hard way, didn't he? And we will have hard lessons to learn. Sin is just as serious. God takes it just as seriously. But if we belong to Jesus, then no matter how big sin is, Grace is even bigger. If we are truly God's people, He will make sure that the promises are fulfilled to us in the end. What did Abram do when he was kicked out of Egypt? Well, he repented. Repenting means going back to the beginning and starting again. And that's what Abram did. Back in chapter 12, verse 8 and 9, he had gone from the altar between Bethel and Ai in the Promised Land, down south to the Negev, and then further south in verse 10 to Egypt. Look what he does in chapter 13, verse 1. Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and lot with him into the Negev. And then in verse 3, and he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, the place where he had made an altar of the first. You see what it's saying? He's done a U-turn. He's gone back. He's reversed it. He's traced his steps back. He's repented. Gone back to the place where God wanted him to be. I wonder if there's anyone here this morning who needs to make that journey. You know that you're not in the place where God wants you to be. You know you haven't been trusting in His promises. You know you've been doing your own sinful thing. Maybe God's been disciplining you. Maybe He's convicted you today. But today, like Abraham, you want to turn around. Head back to the place of promise. If that's you, then, then please do what you need to do. Cry out to God for mercy and reverse your moves. Whatever it is, disentangle. Go back to the place of obedience. When Abram went back to Egypt, he didn't, well, went back from Egypt rather, he didn't go back empty-handed. Remember how Pharaoh had piled him with gifts? Amazingly, he, he got to keep them. In fact, in chapter 13, verse 2, it says, Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. 
Now he was probably pretty rich when he went to Egypt, but now he's even richer. See, God had promised him blessing. And, and God was still blessing him. God had planned to make him rich. That was part of the, the physical blessings on Abram that foreshadowed the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. And the amazing thing is that God even used his time in Egypt to bless him. Even though Abram was being sinful. Even though he shouldn't have gone and he shouldn't have done the things that he did. He shouldn't have said what he said to Pharaoh. The God who brings good out of evil even brought good out of Abram's sin. And friends, that is the same God who brings good out of our failure as well. Don't misunderstand me. It's not an excuse to sin. Not a reason to sin. Still morally responsible for our actions. But God can use even our failure to bring about blessing. God can take our sin, forgive it, and teach us the lessons through it that will make us more like Christ. Which is the blessing that we are expecting. So if you have wondered, if you have sinned and you're willing to repent, then don't despair. Our great and awesome God can even use that to teach you lessons. To change you to be more like Jesus. God can bring good out of evil because he is so big. He is so great. Of course, the biggest example of God bringing good out of evil is what happened with Jesus, isn't it? Now you have human beings, sinful human beings, rejecting him, torturing him, killing him. What an awful thing. Worst thing that could happen. The Son of God walks in this world and we treat him that way. And yet from that, God has brought the greatest thing. Through the death of Jesus, we have forgiveness and eternal life and you know God's wonderful character of justice and love. How God brings good out of evil. Don't despair. Turn to Him in faith. It's that kind of God. Do you know what Abram did when he got back to the promised land? Now verse 4 again of chapter 13 went back to where he had made an altar at first and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Abram worshipped the God who had rescued him from his own folly. Who saved him from the consequences of his sin. Who brought him back to the land of promise. Who blessed him as he promised to in spite of his unworthiness. And that's what we do as forgiven sinners, don't we? When we know God's grace. When we know God's rescue. When we realize how utterly undeserving we are of God's promises. And yet we know how faithful He is to us. That all we can do is bow in worship. All we can do is, is give Him our full allegiance. All we can do is trust in his promises and worship him as Lord and seek to please him in all of our lives. For he is our great and wonderful God.
And he's the God who's been so gracious to us. Who has given us all his promises in the gospel. And sustains us. And by his grace and his mercy, will see us through to the very end.